Brothers and sisters, hear the good news. God is love. It is essential to his nature. The Father, Son, and Spirit from all eternity are love and demonstrate love to each other. God chose to share his love with man, not because he needed man, but because he delights in his creation, participating in his love. And so it was that the man, the very man that God created in love, chose to turn his back on his creator in sin. Yet God still loves man. God demonstrated his own love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves the world so much that he gave to us himself, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God extends this love, his love, to sinners to bring us out of perdition and to renew us into an eternal fellowship with himself. Brothers and sisters, having truly confessed our sins, God himself promises you the forgiveness of the Father, the victory of the Son, and the glory and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Believe this and rejoice. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God's word to us this morning begins in the fourth chapter of Genesis. Beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And again she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to Yahweh of the fruit of the ground. And Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And Yahweh had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then Yahweh said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not you be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then Yahweh said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. You shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to Yahweh, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, thou hast driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from thy face I shall be hidden, and I shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on earth, and it will come about that whoever finds me will kill me. So Yahweh said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken upon him sevenfold. And Yahweh appointed a sign for Cain, lest anyone finding him should slay him. We'll turn now to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23. Beginning in verse 29, Matthew 23, verse 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, 
and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Consequently, you bear witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how shall you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you from now on, you shall not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he answered and said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here shall be left upon another which will not be torn down. Now if you would please turn to the back of your bulletin. We'll read together as a congregation Psalm 22 verses 11 through 21. Psalm 22, verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Let's bow in prayer. Father, you are the holy God whose eyes are too pure to look on sin. And we thank you that you've made a way for us to come into your presence. Otherwise, we would be wiped out forever lost. But you've sent your Son, shielded your glory in the body of a human being, and you came to us and you died for us on the cross, and you rose again and ascended back into heaven. And we thank you that 
ascending and sitting at the right hand, the Spirit of God has been sent, who has inspired your word down through the centuries so that we hold it in our hand. And you've caused him to indwell your people so that when we read your word, when we hear it spoken, when people talk about it, we know it's your word, and we know that you've given us the Spirit to help us understand the Word. We pray for his presence and his help this morning. In Christ's name, amen. And when he broke the fifth seal, I saw... I saw... Whoa. I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, Wilt thou refrain from avenging, from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the land? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they had been should be complete also. Well, Revelation is one of those books that uh, somehow we've pushed it a little aside in the canon, you work your way through the Gospels, and you work your way through Acts, and you work your way through the Epistles, and this whole boat fits together, but when you come to Revelation, you're out beyond something way out there in the blue. Pray tell. How are souls under an altar unless the altar exists? So there they are. Their blood's been shed. They've sacrificed. They've handed themselves over to sacrifice because of the word of God, and they maintained their testimony, and it cost them their lives. And of course, at the base of the altar is where all the blood goes, at the foundation. It's this huge altar that's a replica of a mountain, and it's got a foundation. And the blood is smeared or sprinkled, and it all flows down, and the life is in the blood, and here are these saints at the base of the altar, and they're crying out, God, how long until you avenge our blood? Of course, judgment to take a life was given to mankind in the Noahic covenant. 
man had grown to the point where God entrusted him with government to rule and take life. When one man takes another man's life, then his life shall be taken. And this grows ever expansive as you work your way through the scriptures. And when you come to Israel finally coming into their land, then there are cities of refuge set up, set up in the Transjordan and the Cisjordan of the land. Six of them in total, if I recall, and they are told specifically to make sure the roads are maintained so that people can get there quickly because in the judicial system, in the early stages of Israel's life, there was such a person as a manslayer, and a manslayer was a kinsman of the person who was murdered. And when his brother or his sister or his mother or father is murdered, he would grab his sword and he would chase down the manslayer and slit his throat. Vengeance. Yeah, God set it up. Vengeance. Well, of course, not every manslaying is intentional. And so cities of refuge were set up so that if you killed somebody accidentally, you could run to that city and you would be guarded and kept and you would sit before judges and the judges would determine was it intentional or unintentional. And if it was unintentional, you could stay in that city. But if you stepped outside of that city, the manslayer would be there to slick your throat. So you stayed in that city until the high priest died. And when the high priest died, you were free to leave, and the manslayer could not touch you. Paul says to us, don't seek revenge, but give way to the wrath of God. For God has says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So in the course of Bible history, the cities of refuge disappeared because Israel disappeared. They went into the empires, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. They did not have the right to put anybody to death. They were other, under another government. And so a system came up based on each of those empires of how they were going to deal with when men should be put to death. But God says, don't seek your own revenge, speaking to us now. But give way to the wrath of God, for God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. But now when you pick up the Psalms, and we've sung some of these Psalms like this, that has the word vengeance in it. And you can count psalm after psalm after psalm that says, How long, O Lord? 
Psalm 13, for example, think it's in the psalm, it's all of six verses, I think it's in there eight times. Waiting on God to act, to act on their behalf, they're suffering, and they come under their foes, and he, they want God to take vengeance. In Revelation 6, there are the martyred for Christ. And they're crying out, it's time for vengeance. You see, because when you sign up in a covenant, you expect people to keep the terms of the covenant. When you get married, you have a covenant. And there are terms in that covenant. And you expect that you can rely on your mate and your mate can rely on you to keep the terms of the covenant. I will be faithful to you alone until death separates us. That's what we expect. When we sign up with covenant with God, signing up, I'm, we don't sign on the dotted line. We trust him. We have faith. We've become part of his covenant people. And he's made certain promises to us. And the promises include that he will take care of us and that he will be just. So we expect God to be just. And when someone's life is taken unjustly, we expect God to do something about it. That's the terms of the covenant. And so these martyred saints from the blood of righteous Abel all the way down to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the altar and the temple, these saints, not to mention the ones who, after the ascension of Christ, he sent out scribes and wise men and prophets and apostles. And between the years A.D. 30 and A.D. 70, wicked harlot Jerusalem slew them. And where were they? They're under the altar. They've become a sacrifice, not like the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that atones for our sins but they've become a sacrifice for Jesus Christ. For the propagation of the gospel, they've become a sacrifice. And now their blood is under the altar and they are crying out, how long, O Lord, till you take vengeance? Well, that's what Revelation is about. So what I read to you comes from Revelation 6. I'm sure most of you knew that. And we know that you can, you can look at Revelation and uh, you have chapter 1 where John gets a vision. Then you have chapters 2 and 3 where uh, the churches are addressed. And then the next four through the end of the book, these chapters have to do with John being caught up in the heaven and seeing something. And what it is is a lawsuit against it's a divorce case because harlot Jerusalem has been unfaithful to Yahweh God and now the terms of the covenant are coming to fruition. Every covenant has, it's a solemn bond between people. It has, you know, promises, but it also has, okay, if you do this, 
you get this blessing. If you violate it, you get what? You get cursing. Turn, if you would, to Second Chronicles chapter 24. I promise you, we won't be in this chapter again. So as we were saying, at the end of 22, all the way down to the end of 24, we have bookends. Joash is uh, rescued by his aunt, and he's inside the temple precincts, and he's got a bed there. And at the end, he has fallen from grace. He's under the vengeance of God, and he's got a bed there, his deathbed. And his life is in between these two beds. And uh, we recall that Jehoiada, God knows, is what Jehoiada means. God knows. Well, he knows everything. Yahweh, Jehovah, knows everything. It could just mean that he, God knows the whole lifetime and has mapped out the lifetime of Joash, which would be true. Or it could mean, because when you, when you have uh, two names put together or a verb and, a, and a, a form of Yahweh or Adonai or something like that put with it, you know, you, you have to, to kind of have a little guess at how to say it, what, what you do with it. It might mean something like, you know, we come to know God, Paul says, rather to be known by God. God knows us. And when you're known by God, you're one of his. So maybe that's what it means. Yahweh knows this priest. Well, he trains Joash. He's been rescued because Athaliah is an awful, awful, awful grandmother and mother who slays her own grandchildren and she's put to death, and we have a lot of awful, 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 awful mothers and grandmothers and granddaughters who slay their own children, and we call it abortion. Athaliah slew her grandchildren so that she could take the throne. She wanted power. We slay our children in this country because we don't want the inconvenience. We want an easy life. We don't think we have enough money. We don't think we're emotionally capable. Whatever the case is, we put ourselves above the child. Of course, to get around that, we decide it's not a child. Unless the person wants it to be a child, then it's a child. So you murder a pregnant woman if she wanted that child, now you murder two people. But if she didn't want that child, then you only murdered one. I, I loved it the other day when that thing was on the news where this lady was driving down uh, 75 in, in the lane where you have to have more than one passenger, and she got stopped because she was the only passenger, and she said to the officer, I'm pregnant, there are two of us in here. That didn't wash. So, Joash is brought up by a very godly, righteous, high priest, and he trains him, and Joash, you know, looks like a wonderful person. 
everything is set up, the system's going, Joash does reforms to the temple, and then the problem is Jehoiada dies. And we looked at, but let's, let's just read that back in uh, chapter 24 and verse, uh, verse 15. Now, when Jehoiada reached a ripe old age, he died. He was 130 years old at his death. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel. He had done good to God. And he had done good to God's house. And so this high priest, priests weren't buried with kings, but he's buried with the kings. He's honored. He's highly honored. He, as I said last week, was received the approbation. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Verse 17 goes on. But after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and they bowed down to the king and the king listened to them. Hear Israel, Yahweh, Yahweh God is one. Hear, listen Israel. But he listened to the fellows who bowed down to him and they abandoned the house of Yahweh the God of their fathers, and served the ashram and the idols. So wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their guilt. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back. It's a word for turning them around, to bring them back to Yahweh, but though they testified against them, they would not listen. So you have prophets who come because God cares about his people, even though they've acted like the whore and gone after other gods. God comes through prophets and he prosecutes the divorce. He testifies against them. But when God comes in this form, he's open to repentance. If my people who are called by my name turn and humble themselves and repent, I will forgive them and I will come and heal their land. But they would not listen. Even though the charges are set out there, the prophets are setting them out there. No, they wouldn't listen. Now, mind you, this is the same thing that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 23. You prove that you're sons of your fathers. You say, oh, we wouldn't kill the prophets, but I'm going to send to you wise men and prophets, and you're going to kill and crucify some of them, and you're going to persecute them from city to city and scourge them in your synagogues. So here is Jesus Christ. He's put on trial. 
the nation says, oh, no, we'll take Caesar. We won't take him. And so 40 years, here come apostle prophets and other prophets and other wise men and other servants proclaiming the word of the Lord, and they won't listen. So what happens? Vengeance comes. And when you read the book of Luke, and you read Luke chapter 21, which is where you find what we call the Olivet Discourse from Matthew and from Mark and Luke chapter 21, he calls it the days of the vengeance. God is a holy God. And God made us for himself. God made us to be his companion. And when we violate the terms of the covenant, he prosecutes his case against us. And his case is an eternal case. It's not just a divorce and you go find somebody else and you live happily ever after. No, it's not that kind of case. It's the kind of case where he might put you to death. He might take your money away. But certainly your soul is going to end up somewhere you don't want it to be. I'll tell you who to fear, Jesus says. Don't fear those who kill the body. But fear the one who, after killing the body, can send the soul to hell. Fear that one. That's the one to fear. Joash, who had a 40-year run rebuilding the temple, restructuring the army so that Israel was once again the heavenly host with their robes and their wings flying around and premier in the area. But now he turns from it and he withdraws himself from the house of the Lord and a house of another kind is set up where he goes and he worships the Canaanite gods, the gods that Yahweh God had already defeated for them. But now he's going to let those gods defeat Israel because that's the gods they want. Nah. But God first sends prophets. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back, to turn them around to Yahweh. But though they testified against them, they would not listen. So here's where we are. Then the Spirit of God came on Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest. And he stood above the people. And, and you know, we, we don't know. He's in the temple area somewhere, and maybe there's this, this uh, stage set up or something he's standing above. But that's, that's not the point. The point is Israel is the heavenly host over the whole earth, but they've abdicated, and so there's one guy up right now, and it's Zechariah, the son of a Je a Jehoiada, who's standing above them. In other words, this word comes from heaven. The son of Jehoiada, the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus God has said, Why do you... Uh, why do you transgress the commandments? Why do you give up the Lord's covenant and do not prosper? Why do you do that? You saw for 40 years, 40 long years, 
You were doing the covenant. You were worshiping Yahweh, and you were prospering as a nation. And now you've turned away. And now God says, why do you do this? I'll tell you why God says, because you have forsaken Yahweh, and he has forsaken you. So they conspired against him, and at the command of the king, they stoned him to death in the court of the house of Yahweh. So now man's blood is shed in the courtyard, and so the whole place is unclean now. Thus, Joash the king did not remember the kindness, the covenant love which his father Jehoiada had shown him, but he murdered his son. And as he died, he said, May Yahweh see and seek, is the word. See and seek. So there's a sacrifice made on Mount Moriah that was going to be Isaac, but he was rescued and a ram was sacrificed. And God looked and he saw it will be provided. In other words, he sees and he sees what's needed and what does he give? He gives a sacrifice. Now, as Zechariah, Yahweh remembers as he's dying, may the Lord see. Oh, yeah, he sees, all right. And may he seek. Seek what? Well, in the New American Standard, it's translated vengeance. God is just. Of course, God's going to seek vengeance. He had no right to be put to death. For one reason, he's cloaked in the Holy Spirit coming with the message of God, and they don't want it. They want the female goddesses. May God see and may God seek. Well, now, that's the word that's, as we said last week, important in Chronicles. If you seek me, I'll let you find me. If you forsake me, I'll forsake you. Well, it just so happens that God seeks in two different ways. After walking and coming under a sycamore tree and seeing Zacchaeus up there, Jesus says, come down. I'm going to stay at your house tonight. And then you get the end of that that little story and says, for the Son of Man has come to seek, here's our word, and to save that which is lost. So God's a heat-seeking missile for certain people. And when he's seeking you that way, you can't escape. And God is a destructive missile for other people. And when he's seeking you that way, you cannot escape. God's name. He's compassionate and forgiving. 
but he will be by no means clear the guilty. He will punish them. He's a just God. Now, if you think about our land and if God wanted to punish, how much punishment could he mete out? God gives a blessing in the womb and the doctor rips it out. Who should die? They took a life. It's not just. God's looking for justice. What are you going to do? The problem is, you see, when Jesus was on the way to the cross, he said to the crowd, I mean, the crowd heard him say as he's being crucified, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then there was a man named Stephen. And Stephen was stoned by the Sanhedrin, the official leadership of the nation. And what did he say? Lord, do not hold this sin to their account. And then there are people under the altar who are crying out, Lord, how long till you avenge our blood? What do you do with that? So, you know, we're troubled people. We feel a little bad about praying for, you know, vengeance, don't we? One of my mentors uh, back in Portland, I don't know, when I was out here, I called him to ask him a question about some troublesome person. Thank the Lord we don't have any more troublesome persons in this assembly. And he said, well, you know what I do, Craig? I pray that they'll pass through meaning they'll move on to another church. <laughs> or perk up, meaning they'll be transformed and changed. Or pass on, meaning find their way to whatever abode they end up in. Well, what do you think of that? That's in the Psalms. So do you pray for vengeance? And I've been making the case for the psalms that we should sing them. It's the church's prayer book. And when you sing the psalms, you're praying vengeance on people. You can't just say, well, you know, David wrote this song. Here's his situation. No, we're praying them to Yahweh when we sing them. Take vengeance, Yahweh. Is that right? Well, of course it's right. It's right because God is a just God. We're kind of squeamish about justice when it really comes right down to it, doesn't it? We're, we're a little squeamish. I'm assuming most people in this room, I hope all of you, agree with the death penalty. It's part of the Noahic covenant. It shows the value of a man's life that if you murder somebody who's made in the image of God, you don't have the right to be on the earth anymore. That's justice. But our namby-pamby, wimpy little culture can't take that kind of justice 
because they think, well, if you do that, you're just going to end up with more murder. Just because somebody's murdered doesn't mean someone else should be killed. No, God says it means that. But we don't have that kind of justice. In fact, across our country, we don't have much justice at all. Unless you got a lot of money, then you get the justice you want. Otherwise, it's your political persuasion this way or that way, however you want to interpret the law that's causing the kind of justice we get. But God is a just God, and he's not going to be toyed with. As Joash discovered, Zechariah, Yahweh remembers, he doesn't forget. Well, wait a minute, he does forget. Because in the New Covenant, God says, your sins and your lawless deeds I will remember no more. You see, when you pray for vengeance, you just don't exactly know how God's going to take it. So there was a man called Saul walking on the road to uh, put people to death and put them in prison. He was not a just man. And God called out, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Wait, who are you? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. What? What? No, he was persecuting people on the ground. But you know, Jesus has a wife. The wife's called the church. You come persecute my wife, and you'll get my wrath. I persecute your wife, I assume I'll get your wrath. You persecute Jesus' wife, you're going to get his wrath. Only Paul didn't get wrath. Why? Because Jesus took the wrath himself. Justice will be done. Always God is just. It may be delayed, but it will be done. And on that great day when both the good, those who have trusted in Christ, and the evil, those who have rejected Christ, are raised from the dead at the call of Jesus' voice, for all will come to life again. Some to a resurrection of life and bliss and the kingdom forever and some to a resurrection of misery and judgment forever. It will happen. Justice will be done. And this group over here that's believed, well, they can't say, well, you know, I'm just a really great guy. No. What do we do? Well, we sing the song. We look to Jesus, right? Because Jesus stood in our place. He who knew no sin became sin for us. In his body, he carried all of our sin on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you've been healed. So Jesus is hanging on a tree, and he's hanging there with the, ooh, well, just the picture 
that I'm quoting to you from 1 Peter is he's hanging there with your sin. He's being judged in your place. No, the question is, is he judged in everybody's place? That's not our question for this morning. But he is at least judged for the believer, isn't he? So all my sin goes on him. And how that works out, you know, theologians have different ways of working it out, and probably one explanation is not enough. There probably needs to be more than one because the pictures differ in the Bible. But what we say in our circles is, okay, my sin's picked up and put over here on Christ. Imputation. And his Righteousness is picked up over and put here on me. Imputation. And so over here, vengeance comes on Christ. Why? Because he's a sinner? Well, yeah. By imputation, he's a sinner. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So, you know, we make a lot of that, and so we should. The book of Romans makes a lot of it, and the book of Galatians makes a lot of it, and uh, Genesis chapter 15 makes a lot of it, and all through Scripture there's a lot made from it. All kinds of things can be said, but one thing's for sure. When Jesus takes my sin, I didn't do anything. And so we say, we affirm what Ephesians says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not as a result of works, not of yourself, lest anyone should boast. Instead, here we are, and we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, when we sing psalms that look for vengeance, and so we should, shouldn't we? We should be thinking we want a just church and we want a just society to live in. That's what God's kingdom is. It's righteous. That's the same as just. It's a just place. Well, when the kingdom comes to fruition, of course, there will be no more sin in it, so there will be, it will be a just kingdom. But even right now, as we live in this kingdom in the United States, we want justice both within the church and outside of the church. So the kind of people we want installed as our civil leaders and judges are people who will be just, which means we have to call for justice. Ah, when somebody murders, they get killed. When somebody steals, appropriate punishment has to be made. All, all those sorts of things, just as Israel's law was. It was all laid out there. Here's how you do it. Mishpat, it's called judgment. And God curbed the judgment. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, blah, 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 blah. In other words, if you poke out my eye, I lose nothing, by the way. But if you poke out my eye, I can't poke out two of your eyes. I can only poke out one. That's justice. That doesn't mean I even have to poke out any of your eyes. I want justice, but I don't have to demand the full effect of it. 
Okay, so here is Joash. Thus, Joash the king did not remember the kindness, the loyalty of Jehoiada to God's covenant, which his father Jehoiada had shown him. He took him as an orphan. His wife rescued him from the death sword of Athaliah, his grandmother, but he murdered his son. And as he died, he said, may Yahweh see and seek. Yahweh saw. Here's what he did, verse 23. Now it came about at the turn of the year that the army of the Arameans came up against him and they came to Judah and Jerusalem, destroyed all the, uh, destroyed, destroyed all the officials, remember it's the officials who had Jehoiada, who bowed down to Jehoiada, destroyed all the officials of the people from among the people and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. So here's this, 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 this country they've been having trouble with and there's been wars back and forth and now Joash says, no to God, I'll take female goddesses, God, I don't need you anymore. And so God says, okay, you know that, that guy that's been pestering you, now he's going to kill you. Indeed, the army of the Arameans came with a small number of men, Yet Yahweh delivered a very great army into their hands because they had forsaken Yahweh, the God of their fathers. Thus, they executed judgment on Joash. Now, notice, God can just speak like in creation, boom, there it is. But that's not normally the way God works. Normally, God works through means. And so when it came to Jerusalem and Judah, who had this whole system built up to meet with the Lord over a period of 40 years, and now they give it all up for this Canaanite uh, goddess worship, what does God do? He takes one of their enemies, and they come with a very small army because, you know, if you got the biggest, powerful army, you got the most nukes, and you got all that good stuff, you're always going to win. No, not so. Even the United States has discovered that, haven't they? And when God's ready to judge the United States, it won't matter what kind of armed forces we have. Just look what he's done in Kentucky. Wiped it out with water. Well, not the whole state, but you see my point. He uses means. And when they had departed from him, for they left him very sick. Now, this word sick is not like, you know, he had cancer or something like that. No, this word sick means he's sick because of war wounds. And you can imagine how bad war wounds can get. 
he was very sick, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and they murdered him on his bed. So he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but not, they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. He wasn't worthy. Why? Because he forsook Yahweh. Now, look at verse 26. I've been pondering this. I don't know if I've gotten it right, but I've been pondering because it's written here, so it's important. There's not, there's not just facts in the scriptures just so you can have fun facts to know and tell. It all has a meaning. Now, these are those who conspired against him. Now, notice one guy's name is Zabad, and the other guy's name is Yozebad. So you have one guy whose name means he has given, and you have another guy's name that means Yahweh has given. It's just a combination of Yahweh and the, and the same thing. So two of these guys are giving something. Well, what did they give him? They gave him a murder. But they're two different guys, and one of them is the son of uh, Shemith. The other is the son of uh, Shimrith. And these are an Ammonitess woman and a Moabitess woman. And the first woman's name means here. The second woman's name means this is your charge, keep. And so you put all those facts together and these two guys who conspired against the king are from uh, troubled nations that are related to Israel because they're Lot's offspring. And uh, they're not very godly. It, whether these people are, I, I don't know. But, but what happens is they get a message from the Lord. And so what does God do? Well, he brings a big army in, and uh, Joash, is, Joash is sick because of his wounds, and he's lying on his bed trying to recover, and in come these two servants of his, and they've heard a message from the Lord, and they're going to keep it. So they kill him. Now, all this because Zechariah said, Yahweh see and seek. There's another Zechariah whose name is Jesus, Yeshua. Yahweh is salvation. And he said to the Pharisees and the scribes who had set themselves in the seat of Moses, and so the children of Israel are to obey them, he said, well, this is what's going to happen to you. Going all the way back to the blood of Abel, which blood was crying out from the ground for what? Vengeance. 
all the way down to the end of the writing of the Hebrew Scriptures, the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah. Well, he was the son of Jehoiada. We don't know quite to do what to do with that. There are several different kinds of solutions, but I, I, I opt for a simple one. And the simple one is the author has changed the father's name because when Yahweh remembers, this is a blessing because God's justice is always a blessing. Well, from Abel to the end of the Hebrew scriptures, all these people that have lived for God and been spokesmen of God and prophets of God, whom Israel and Judah killed and killed and killed and killed, all that blood is going to be on their head, along with the prophets, the scribes, and Jesus, whom they slew outside of Jerusalem. Now, friends, it's time to quit. I know that. But I just want you to see, if you just follow the storyline of the Bible, then you've got to put it together with Revelation. And in Revelation, you're picking up the train. All these guys were sent out from Jesus' death, to A.D. 70, and they're put to death, and all the people from Abel all the way down to A.D. 70 that have been put to death for the cause of Yahweh God, Jesus Christ, their blood, they are under the altar. And they're looking for vengeance. And of course, that's what the book of Revelation is about. A divorce lawsuit whereby the whore is slain. And what's found in her is the blood of prophets and the blood of the apostles and the blood of the saints. Not just because they died a natural death. No, because she killed them. That's revelation. And these men and women at the beginning of the book in chapter 6 are crying out for vengeance because when they came to Christ, they knew, oh, this God is a just God. And if we die unjustly in his cause, then he will do justice. And so he did. Of course, that will be true of everything. At the end, when we stand before the Lord, justice will be done. We don't know how all of that will work out, but one thing we can count on, those who do not find justice in Christ, that is all their sin heaped up right over on him and he pays the penalty of death for their sin, all those people, all their sins going to be opened up wide in a book and there's going to be an accounting for it all and justice will take place. So, we sing the Psalms. And we cry for justice. Because when God does justice, he's got two missiles. 
One, it's seeking and saving the lost, so sinners who are worthy of judgment, well, Jesus takes their judgment. And the other group, what happens to them? Well, the missile seeking them from the Lord is destruction. And the books are opened at the great white throne judgment, and they're cast into the lake of fire. Well, so, I'm assuming everybody in this room is here because they love Jesus, and they've trusted him. They've trusted, oh yeah, all my sin is put up right over here on Jesus, and he paid the penalty for my sin. Let's stand. We thank you, God, our God, our holy and righteous and just God, that you are a holy God. And you do not wink at sin. It's either condemned in Christ our people will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. So help us as a congregation to grow in our faith in you and to grow our kids in the faith in you. We thank you that you've put us all together here and you've marked us out as your people. Help us to live up to it now. In Christ's name we pray, amen.